This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Ready to believe you. And a very special guest and lover of this movie, Intern Corey. Listen, do you smell that? I do smell that. So this is your favorite movie of all time, right? Absolutely. Like, bar none, favorite movie. I watch it probably at least 20 times a year. Me and Brett were nice, and we did not decide to do Ghostbusters without you and just make you listen. <laughs> that would have made me a sad pumpkin head. So, honestly, Brett, you know this. Going back to when we first came up with this insane idea, this was one of the first ones I had picked. I said, well, fine, we're doing Ghostbusters then. Because it's always one of those movies that was tricky for me to get on. I'm like, it's horror comedy. Does it fit? Does it get a full week episode or anything? So, as soon as we came up with 31 episodes, I'm like, okay, Ghostbusters. Well, because this one is one that goes on, like, Freeform, which, what was it before, the Family Channel or something? ABC uh, Family. Yeah. It was ABC Family, then it was, before that it was Fox Family, and before that it was the Family Channel. I'm dating myself again. <laughs> I remember it was something before Freeform, but, like, this always goes on there with, like, Hocus Pocus, their show, like, Hotel Transylvania, Beetlejuice, so it fits in that realm. If we're being 100% honest, though... Those Hotel Transylvania movies are pretty good. I love them. Like, I still haven't my, seen them. I keep telling Brett this. I don't even have kids, and I love them. I, say, I, I do have children, and like they're ones we watch all year long. Oh, yeah. they're. I have all three of them. Even the third one that's horrible, and all they do is dance. There's a fourth <laughs> one now. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. It, well, it's only on Amazon Prime, and I don't have that. All right. So Ghostbusters from 1984. Directed by Ivan Reitman and written by, let me get this. I know Dan Aykroyd kind of gets a writing credit. Did Ivan Reitman also get a writing credit? No, it was also Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Okay, so Corey, you can probably explain this better than I can, but the short of it is Dan Aykroyd, lovely guy, but is a huge believer in like the spiritualism, hollow earth, interdimensional, and all this kind of stuff. And if you ever look into that first draft of Ghostbusters, it is insane and unfilmable. Yeah, well, Dan Aykroyd is Ray. Like, yes. Like, like this, this picture is autobiographical for him. Like, his parents, like, are, like, some of the leading paranormal researchers in Canada. Or were. They're obviously dead because oldness. Have you ever had his vodka? Um, I've never, I've never drank it, but I do have a bottle of it. My parents got one because they thought the skull looked cool. And I was like, holy shit, that's Dan Aykroyd's vodka. And we tried it. It's very smooth. Oh, nice. I I am a fan of the vodka. He brought this to them and is like, yeah, we're going to change it. The biggest thing he had in the script though, that got them to go, okay, there's some good stuff in here was Stay Puffed. That was in that original script. Like we like this, we can do something with this. Stay Puft is my boy. I like bar none favorite Ghostbusters ghost. Like I have like just like a shelf of just Stay Puft toys. I also never noticed till this time how much you see Stay Puft before you see giant evil Stay Puft in this movie. When I was watching it, I noticed oh, yeah. uh, 
Dana when she's bringing the eggs home and everything. I see a billboard randomly throughout the movie. They do like feed it to you like, hey, this is a real thing going into it. Oh, yeah, they absolutely give you all the foreshadowing that, you know, there's going to be a giant 40 foot tall marshmallow man at some point in this movie. It's especially watching it for this time, like you pay attention to it like differently when you watch it for the podcast. And when it's the Dana scene, when the eggs are popping, you're paying attention to the eggs 90% of the time. But this time I happened to look over and I did see the bag of Stay Puff marshmallows. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Before we get too into the movie, I want to ask you both this question. And I promise there's a point behind this. Brett. What is Ghostbusters the story about? Like, not, yes, yeah, fighting <laughs> ghosts, but what's the plot of Ghostbusters? Well, um, Peter and Ray are drunk after they get fired, and they're like, we know what to do, and they take out a loan on a hunch, because Peter is, like, this big businessman. He just knows how to make money and, like, swindle people. And Ray and Egon actually know the, like, science behind it. So he's like, well, I can ex- exploit these guys. I can make t-shirts. He even mentions, like, the uh, rights um, in the t-shirt sales will be amazing, like, uh, on their own. So it's basically like they just stumble into this. And then it's just, like, perfect timing of they're like, well, let's try this insane thing that we're starting to, like, know a little bit about. And Gozer is now coming and the gate is opening at the perfect time. Corey, I just I agree with Brett. That's that's it. I'm Peter is Peter's a con man. Like they set that up throughout the entire, not just the movies but the cartoon series and everything. Peter is Peter's looking for a quick buck. He's the businessman. Yeah. Like you need that person if you're going to run the I, business. I, that's oh, yeah. working out. Like we can save. Like how much money are we going to charge? We can save money on this. You need that guy. Oh yeah, but he's also he's uh, he's a great a con man. But Definitely. it's Bill Murray, so he does it lovingly. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it is a bad thing. <laughs> the reason I bring this up is because watching Ghostbusters, and there's been articles written on this, and it's wild. This movie technically shouldn't work when you look at it, like where the characters are at the beginning, what they do, where the bad guy comes in, where they are at the end, all this stuff. It breaks like every rule of what <laughs> makes a good movie, and I mean this lovingly because. This movie is perfect, and it's the shining exception to every rule. Because pretty much all the characters are the same at the end of the movie as at the beginning of the movie. The villain really kind of just stumbles into the picture, really by nothing with the heroes or the story or anything. And they never really fuck up and have to adjust or anything. Every like new invention they come out with works perfectly the first time, and yet... This movie's a fucking masterpiece, and that's what blows my mind. Like, almost any other movie that would just have a script just like this would be a failure, and Ghostbusters is so good that it manages to make that, like, a perfect movie, and that's what's insane about it. Yeah, and not not to shit all over Ghostbusters 2016, it was a fine movie. Like, it had its moments. But they did the, oh, our equipment doesn't work, or it doesn't work right, and we're kind of responsible for the bad guy, and you know all that. And that movie just, it didn't work. You know what's funny? On Letterboxd, it, said related, it says related films, and there's 
Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters Afterlife, and something that says 2023. And then it says similar films, and that's where Ghostbusters 2016 is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I said, not to shit on it. It's a, it's a fine movie. It, I it, never it's saw fine. it. That's my take on it. Look, I watched it. I didn't hate myself for watching it, but it was not the charm and good warm fuzzy feeling i get when watching ghostbusters no no it's it's its own thing and it's fine it's just not for me and that's the last i'm gonna talk about that movie yeah because this movie gets enough time on its own it should get all right you guys ready to kick into it yes let's record this fucker all right so it starts off with the library scene the librarian's going downstairs and books are just swapping places behind her on the shelf and the card catalogs start opening she turns around and sees the cards flying everywhere. She runs, and there's a big blinding light in front of her, and the scream, and we get the theme song very quick. Well, yeah, you have to, you have to. But not the good remix version from YouTube that's just busting, 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 busting. <laughs> I hate you. We get the song in the credits, and then we cut to Vankman giving the test. And the whole point of this test, he says, is to study the effects of negative reinforcement on ESP abilities. So he's showing these people the back of a card, and they have to guess what's on the front, and he zaps them if they get it wrong. You know who the male student is, and where he, uh, what other movie he's been in? No, I do not. Steven Tash, he was in Christine. Oh, okay. I do know him, oh. He looked super familiar. I just yeah. can never figure out where. So this, Corey, is like you said, this is Bankman kind of being a scumbag con man because the guy actually starts doing well and he zaps him every time anyway and the girl never gets it right and he always tells her she does and that she has a gift. Well, I mean, like you said, Bankman's a sleazeball. He's a con man and he's also extremely horny all the time. He's a ladies' man. I love that Bill Murray is a young man here, and he has always looked perpetually about 50 years old. They even yeah. mention of, like, you've never been even out of college, and he looks like he's, like, 39. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> Some of us are turning 39 soon, and we do not look that old. Well, you're not there yet. You look yeah, back. By the time you're. <laughs> I still have... A full head of hair. Thank you very much. I can't even oh, now say he, that. Now he's just punching down on it. Yeah, come on! <laughs> but he's interrupted and basically cock-blocked by Ray here and because he's got reports of this full torso apparition. you got to go right now. Egon's already there. Let's go. At the library, we are introduced to Egon. It's just, oh, I don't know. Everything about this movie is great. I love it. Just, like, the introduction of him with him, like, listening with the things in his ears and Bankman smacking on the table. Oh, yeah, where at first he's, like, drumming his fingers on the table and Egon's like, what's that? And he's almost, like, starting to be interested and he slams the book. He's like, oh, of course it's you. (laughs) I love Harold Ramis and Bill Murray's chemistry when they're together so much. It's yes. so sad that, you know, they basically never reconciled after Groundhog Day. And oh, is that what Yeah. yeah oh, and, yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, Harold Ramis passed away before him and Bill Murray could, could, could bury the hatchet. 
I love those two together in stripes so much. I own two VHS copies of that. I already owned it on VHS and I saw another copy. I was like, well, I have to have it. It's just so good. Those two together are so amazing. Yeah, and like I said, it's so sad that they could just never reconcile after Groundhog Day. To the point there wasn't even a new Ghostbusters with all of them in it until after he was dead and they had to do CGI. Hey, hey, we don't bring that up around me, okay? (laughs) I'm still very sensitive. Downstairs are investigating. They see the book stack, and no one stacks books like this. <laughs> I love that line delivery. I'm just like, of course yes, this Ray. is paranormal. Yes, Ray. No one would ever stack books like this. <laughs> the sarcasm in this movie is just... I'm gonna... Uh, just full spoilers, I'm gonna gush about this movie the entire time. Like, Oh, that's why you're here. This is the best movie ever made. We well, knew this is like your favorite movie, so you have to be here for it. It's a it's a ten. I, I, I'm just gonna say it right now. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not the ten. end of the episode yet. No, I, you're gonna if you do this already, you're gonna make me say a nine. You know what? That is your prerogative. <laughs> but it's a ten. Well, honestly, listeners, if you don't know, Corey legitimately is the biggest Ghostbusters fan I know. Like, I there's any question I would ever have on any of these movies, the cartoon, the franchise behind the scenes. I feel with great confidence I can text Corey and he will have the answer for me. Um, got kind of in trouble with the wife for buying the firehouse play set just this past year for too much money. <laughs> Very nice. I know exactly what one you're talking about. It was a deal. Okay. it was. You a deal. also have the whole outfit, don't you? Like with like an actual cool proton pack, not like the blow up one. Yeah, I have the, uh, I have the spirit pack with a few mods that my little brother was nice <laughs> enough to, uh, to 3D print for me. Um, I do have a custom jumpsuit that actually has a name tag with my last name on it. It says intern. Yes, yes. it just says intern on it. <laughs> Corey shows up with the place that they gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> this is how they're paying me. <laughs> they find the books to act the ectoplasm the falling bookcase scene almost drops on it. and that's the first time I think where Peter takes it slight, slightly seriously yeah yes then they find it and Peter is elected to speak to it and just gets shushed they pull over again they're like Ray has a plan just yells get her they run and then it turns into the terrifying <laughs> librarian ghost and they all run away right in this scene is where the listen do you smell that Yes. They have no plan if they actually encounter a ghost. (laughs) They pull themselves aside. They're like, what are we going to do? They're like, we have no idea. Um, Get her! (laughs) It's as great as they run away and Peter's making fun of her. Get her, Ray! That's your plan? (laughs) Oh, it's a great scene, too, of them running out of the library and, like, the owner of the library is running after him. Like, what did you see? But they, they're now they have solid evidence. This has made their day. They're going back to the lab at the university. They're gonna have everything going great for them. They get there and they are being evicted and kicked out of the university. They have evidence. They have a camera. They have voice recording. They have actual evidence of a ghost. And the college takes all of their recording equipment away. And it's like, you're fired. And they'd probably never look at it again. That evidence is lost. 
I don't know, I feel like their firing may have less to do with them wasting school resources and more to be with Dr. Venkman's weird studies and hitting on young girls who partake in them. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm gonna say you're not wrong, entirely wrong there. I mean, it, this may have been to avoid a lawsuit. But college, and, uh, college girls. <laughs> and, 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 and Ray and Egon are, are collateral damage. Yes. But uh, Ray takes out a second mortgage on his house for their new business. Third mortgage. Third, Third mortgage. And 19%. <laughs> and Egon's doing the calculations and it's like, the interest alone in the next five years is going to be $95,000. And uh, Ray's face is just like blank. Uh, Bill Murray, Peter's just doing his like pitch to him. Like, this is going to be great. We're going to sell t-shirts. We can make bumper stickers. Everyone's going to love us. But you didn't even try to talk them down on the interest. <laughs> I love Harold Ramis' decision, and it plays off so well. He's like, I'm not going to smile for the entire movie, and that's going to be my character's yeah. thing. And so it gives him this dry humor that works so well, like, against, like, uh, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray that I love, and it's the perfect choice that he made. Where he's just saying things like this, I did all the calculations, you're going to owe $95,000 in five years. I, I, cl- I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Yes. He actually doesn't even smile until Ghostbusters 2. Yes, he does. It's I think it's not until the Do Ray Egon scene. Yes. Oh, oh which it. I was I could I sometimes get one and two mixed up and I was waiting for that scene to happen. And I was like, oh that must be the second one. That is, no, yes. That, yes. It's with Vigo. <laughs> but they get to the firehouse and Again, Ray is just the worst <laughs> businessman in the world because Egon's name and everything that's wrong with it. This building should be condemned. Bill Murray's going to get a good deal in the house talking this lady down. And stupid Ray shows up and is like, this is great, guys. Look, he's sliding down the fire. But like, we'll take it. it, is it, it, it the Let's sleep here tonight. Let's have a sleepover. <laughs> he ruins any chance they had at getting a deal on this place. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Ray's childlike wonder. But then we cut to Dana Barrett for the first time in this movie, played by the incredible Sigourney Weaver, Sigourney, arriving to Sigourney her apartment. Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> oh, I thought it was Glenn Danzig. <laughs> no, this is before that. No. <laughs> but she arrives to her apartment, and we're also introduced to Lewis Tully for the first time. The great Rick Moranis from uh, Strange Brew. It's the McKenzie brothers, Bob and Doug. But he tells her, hey, you shouldn't leave your TVs on so loud. The apartment manager came to yell, so I turned mine up real loud so I could say, hey, there's just something wrong with the TVs. I tried to climb out on the ledge and disconnect the cable, but I couldn't quite get to it, so. If you ever want to come over, I always have low-sodium mineral water stocked in the fridge. And the great shtick of him constantly locking himself out of the apartment. <laughs> like four times throughout the movie. During the party, they won't even let him back in. He's like, hey guys, let me back in, eh? <laughs> and he but, just can't help being super Canadian throughout the whole thing. <laughs> but how lucky is he? Because he loves Dana so much. Spoiler yeah. alert for the end, the gate caster, the, uh, the the gatekeeper and the key master fuck <laughs> each other <laughs> to make the gate happen. So he gets to score with his dream girl, but he's in possessed form and will never remember it. 
Yes. As far as he knows, it never happened. Yeah. But the look, but the look on his face is <laughs> oh. priceless. He, he sets up, he's all like drunkenly like, oh. <laughs> Fun fact, this role was supposed to go to John Candy, the Lewis, and he turned it down because he had just taken a bunch of nerdy roles right before he didn't want to get stuck in that typecast. And it was weird because he also bargained. He's like, well, I want the role, but I don't want to be this nerdy guy. And he wanted to play him as a German who always had two big dogs with him at all times and everything and wore a giant coat. And they're like, no. I and see so, that working out better for him. I don't see him as this nerdy type that he's playing Rick Moranis. No, and Rick Moranis was like, I'm so glad John Candy passed on because this script is awesome and took it instantly. Yeah. Oh, and if you also remember... Uh, Peter was not supposed to be Bill Murray. No, it was um, Belushi, right? John Belushi. And, yeah, um, and he died, and, right? Yes, and oh. Eddie Murphy was originally supposed to be Winston. Oh. It's, this movie has so many what-ifs, it's crazy, like, what could have been with it. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think, I think Harold Ramis originally was just supposed to write it with Dan Aykroyd. He wasn't even going to be in it at all. I'm not sure on that, but that makes sense with just how much changed with it. But she gets to her apartment, and she sees the Ghostbusters ad on TV. This is where we get We're Ready to Believe You and the number, which I'm so mad they made it a 555 number, not one of those fun ones that you can still call and hear a recording. But yeah. <laughs> she's putting groceries away, and we get the haunted egg scene, where the egg curtain just opens, the eggs pop out and start cooking on the counter. Uh, they use ping pong balls and some air for this. Yes. Was, them, was this poultry guys? That just Lloyd Kaufman pop out of somewhere? Yes. But then we get the refrigerator portal where she opens it and sees uh, the hellhound Zool and everything like that. You don't see Gozer yet, I don't believe. Um, no. they're called ter- they're called terror dogs, Greg. Hellhound, you know what I mean. Yeah, but they're Greg. Greg. Okay, fine. Greg. That's why you're here. That's your internship <laughs> capacity for today. <laughs> Next, we cut back to the firehouse. They're getting it ready and everything. We see the sign. We get the Ecto-1 before it's the Ecto-1 for the first time here. You don't think it's too subtle, do you? You don't think people will drive right by and not notice it? And the Ecto-1 needs everything done to it. Ray's like, oh, I got it for a steal. Why did they send Ray? Like, it needs new brakes. It needs new suspension, headlights, wiring, everything. Got it for a steal for five grand. That's in 1980s money. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's probably like ten grand in today's money. At least. Oh, definitely. We're introduced to Janine, and who is the best sassy secretary ever, if you ask me. Has there been any calls? No, there haven't been any calls, Mr. Peter Vankman. <laughs> so, the glasses she wears. She showed up pretty much her first day when she got there. Typically, you'll go over stuff and everything. It was like her scene, though. She showed up so... She didn't really have anything costume-wise or anything to stick out. So someone who was working on the movie, she took her glasses. She's like, okay, this is going to be my look for the movie. and wore them for the scenes. But the only problem is, for the rest of the movie, the person whose glasses they actually were had to be following her around for her scenes to stop so she could get her glasses. And it was giving both of them major headaches. Uh, Annie Potts for wearing glasses that weren't her prescription and this other person for not having her glasses. And that's just fun fact about the Janine glasses. See, that I actually did not know. Because Ooh. they're huge, like, Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> Do you know how accomplished I feel with that, Corey? <laughs> type, type something. We're paying for this stuff, huh? 
<laughs> but then it's the great scene of Egon appears from under the desk. And at first you're like, what's he doing under there? <laughs> oh, definitely. I, I think that was the point. Everyone's like, what? Oh, yeah. When he pops out. You're very good with your hands. <laughs> uh, I collect spores, mold, and fungus line right there. Which in which in afterlife we actually do get to see Egon's collection of spores, molds, and funguses. I'm that so was glad. my favorite Easter egg. Like I'm so glad they put that in there. Mine was actually the mine was actually the bug eye ghost from the real throwaway from, crunchy bar gets a reference. <laughs> oh look, there's proton packs. Oh the Ecto one. How is it still driving? How did the little girl fix the car? Who cares? Who cares? There was a Nestle Crunch bar. <laughs> Fucking listen up here, Brett. Afterlife <laughs> is amazing, and I will not take any more of this slander from you. I love making fun of it. I will kick you right square in the testicles. <laughs> Dana shows up, and it's their first customer. She's being questioned about everything. And I love how, like... Peter's questioning her, and as this is going on, <laughs> Egon has this big thing on her head and studying her brain as she's answering all the questions. Which actually is fun where it comes back into play later when Lewis shows up as, like, the terror dog? What was it? Terror dog. Vince Glortha, the key master of Gozer. Yeah, where they have the things on his head and you look at the screen and it's the shape of the terror dog's head. Yes. It's a cool callback, because at first you're like, they're just playing with their toys. <laughs> Peter ends up going to her apartment to investigate. The fridge is completely normal, and he's like, oh, all that junk food. Oh, he starts doing the piano thing where he's like, dee, 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 dee. they hate this. And what's he, what's this tool <laughs> thing he has where it's like, he's like, it's like has a, um, fuck, what's that? It's like one of those balls where you like pump up like air with and a big wand. And she's like, what's that? He's like, it's very scientific. <laughs> I don't know if that actually is something, because that doesn't come back to play in this movie or any of the other movies, so I have no idea. I don't know what he's playing with. It doesn't It doesn't show up again. I used to work with a guy who, on the side, did like the paranormal investigation things. Uh, Corey, you actually know him. I will leave his name out to protect the innocent. But he would be very angry with me when I would refer to him as a Ghostbuster. <laughs> Does Buster Why? make you feel good? Who are you going to call? Hey, hey. I feel bad that I know somebody? this person who I can't figure out who it is just yet. <laughs> it's He's not finding anything weird or anything. And we get the, I got to be honest, I'm madly in love with you speech and everything like this. And it's just a kind of playful flirting thing. Probably crossing the line as a employee client, but whatever. She kicks him out of the house that he keeps blocking the door. It's like, can I pick you up later? And all this kind of stuff. In the 80s, it's fine. Today, it's creepy. <laughs> In the in the great line, he goes, "What's in here?" Well, that's the bedroom, but nothing ever happens in there. Shame. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got where Lewis, like, he's like always waiting at the peephole where he sees uh, Peter come out of her apartment. He like comes out of the apartment, locks himself out immediately. He just faces the door. <laughs> <laughs> but we get the they're back at the firehouse. The Ghostbusters are eating Chinese, and they're like. Well, this is the last of the money went to the Chinese. I think Peter says something about eat slower or something like that. Yeah, and then <laughs> Yeah. But then Janine gets a call, hits the alarm. We got one! Because she's like packing up to leave and she's like blown away that they actually have a call. And they all get to like, they're all like, woohoo! And they Ghostbusters, uh, go down, what do you want? 
Yeah. <laughs> they go down the fire pole. They get in the, like, did you see they all each have their own like closet with their names on it? Yes. One, if you guys are a startup company, you barely have money for Chinese food. Maybe wait on the personalizing of the lockers, but yes. Yeah. No, that's the first thing you do. You guys are bad at business. <laughs> Which actually filmed inside a real-life firehouse, and they still have the sign for Ghostbusters 2 hanging up in the engine room. Act, um, the, in, the interior shots were filmed in Los Angeles. Hmm. The exterior shot, shot in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an identical firehouse. Yeah. The exterior shots are the famous hook and ladder company 8 of New York oh. City. Yes. Which you can still go see and get pictures of and everything, which Brett, like we did our Friday trip. I keep yeah. meaning, like, I was actually thinking about this today. I'm like, when are we going out there to see Hook and Ladder? Because I really want to go see that. I want to go to New York City so bad. So, yes. <laughs> you can go in it, too. They have a small museum to oh, cool. uh, oh, the cool. film of Ghostbusters 1 and 2 in there. My nice. dad's a fireman. Maybe I can get him a patch. <laughs> yeah, they sell patches. Nice. But this is where we see the suit-ups for the first time. We see the um, proton packs. We see Ecto-1 in its full glory right here. And they arrive at the hotel. I don't remember the name of the hotel. Hotel well, Sedgwick. The hotel okay. guy is like, well, you'll be discreet, right? They show up. The alarms are going. They have jumpsuits on. They're running up with these weird proton pack things on. Like They're causing the biggest disruption. What are you supposed to be? Some kind of cosmonaut? No, exterminators. Somebody saw a roach up on, on 12. Must be a big roach. Bite your head off. <laughs> I love how they get on the elevator and he's like, I'll, I'll get the next one. You're fine. I love that little character actor, like his little part. <laughs> yeah. This movie's full of those. Yeah. They almost fry the maid with the proton packs. So, Sorry, I thought you were someone else. Greg, you might think I'm crazy for saying this, but it reminds me a little bit of Basket Case. This movie in general? Yeah. No, you, definitely, you get the old school New York feel and some that of that, the side oh, yeah. characters and everything. The side, oh, yeah. funny like, characters from New York that just seem like they've lived there forever. Yeah, definitely. No, that's not crazy at all. But when they're investigating, Ray finds Slimer first. He calls him a, this, this disgusting blob. This disgusting little spud. Yes. That's it. <laughs> uh, he gets away from Ray, but then Peter finds him. Ray, it's looking at me. It's, it's like, he's disgusting, isn't he? He's like, I think he can hear you, Ray. And because Slimer's <laughs> pissed. And I also feel like Slimer's me as a ghost because he's just obsessed with eating. He always has like hot dogs. He's at the banquet hall. Or it's just like one of those, like, because he is at this giant Retsy hotel. I see him in the like, uh, real life before he died he's like one of those giant fat like rich people like the guy from the meaning of life and monty python that explodes yes <laughs> slimer was dan Aykroyd's tribute to john belushi yes oh that makes sense that's awesome which i do love and i love they don't pull punches because they're like oh yeah he was like slobbish yeah oh yeah i mean but that's one of the things dan Aykroyd says he loved about belushi yeah well, the great scene in Animal House where he just dumps the mustard on himself. It's like, why? <laughs> but he goes after Peter. You get just the face can't like view of Slimer flying <laughs> after him. And then you hear a scream. They get back to him. He slimed me. And he just covered in ectoplasm. Ray's like, that's great! 
It's like, hey, save me some. We gone. They slammed Ray. And they slammed Peter. Save me some. Here, I got your mucus. <laughs> then he's in the banquet hall, and they have to be very careful because there's about to be what, like a wedding or something in there. Yeah, some kind of big banquet. Yeah, some kind of big banquet. Because there's like a snooty old lady dressed up all fancy later. Like, when will the dining hall be ready? But they break the chandelier, and also here's where Egon, which should have been addressed earlier, but tells him, oh, by the way, never cross the streams. Oh, yeah, that should be number one. Each one of us is wearing wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on our back. What could go wrong? That is the great part when they're in the elevator and they switch Ray on and they all back away from him. (laughs) (laughs) Like backing away to the corner of the elevator is going to (laughs) help. They're destroying the place, and half of it not even from the proton packs. Half of them just clearing the tables out of the way, and Peter's like, I always wanted to do this, and like pulls the tablecloth off from underneath all the dishes. And the candlestick (laughs) is still standing. standing. (laughs) But they finally get him in the beams, and we get our first trap shown here. They kick it out under him. Don't look into the light. Ray, I I looked into it. (laughs) I looked into the trap, Ray. But they get it, they lower them down, the trap works, so they're in business for real. They can actually pull this off. They come out, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass! ass. (laughs) And they tell the man how much it's going to cost. It's funny, because they break it down like an internet bill, the way they tell them it. (laughs) And Peter's going over the bill, and he keeps looking over at Egon, and Egon's like rubbing his face, but he has like four fingers up, so he's like, so that'll be four grand, and then for the uh, disposal fee, that'll be that'll be one grand. (laughs) And it's like, oh, five grand? I won't pay. It's like, well, it's fine. We can put it right back, can't we? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, we can. (laughs) I do love it. That's the best, like, yeah, you're gonna pay, or else we're just going to let it out right now. We just called a ghost for you. You're lucky it's not more. (laughs) Because they were running a special. Then we get the montage, and of course, you get a montage. You have Larry King, uh, Ghost Blowjob, lots of newspaper headlines. (laughs) No, but I and the lo- great song, Larry- Cleaning Up the Town. It's so funny seeing 1980s Larry King show up in this because he still looks super old. I feel like if yes. this was like 10 years later, that would be Howard Stern. And then you get the um, ghost blowjob, which if you remember watching this movie, because this is one that will also still show up on like free form of like, it's a family movie, but there's a ghost blowjob in it. And you're like, what's happening to Ray? Why is he all happy all of a sudden? So I love the meme on Facebook. It shows a picture of the movie Ghost on Blu-ray, and it says Ghost Blu-ray, and then it just shows a picture. And then underneath it, it just shows a picture of Ray's face. That's great. <laughs> I just want to congratulate how good Ray is at crossing his eyes in that moment. Yeah. Right. I can't do that. That's an otherworldly blowjob. I mean, it makes sense. But the montage ends pretty much with Winston applying for a job. Like, do you believe in... And I can't do this speech. It's a lot of things. Paranormals, alternate universe, hollow earth, the Loch Ness monster, UFOs, and a couple other things. The theory of Atlantis is in there. Yes, it is. His answer is so great of like, if you pay weekly, I don't care. I'll believe in anything. (laughs) Yes. Peter goes to see Dana when she's getting off work. She's a musician, which was a choice Sigourney Weaver actually added because she's like, I don't want this character to seem so stiff and boring. I feel like if we make her a musician, it adds like a little soul to her, which oddly is a smart choice, and I like it. Oh, yeah, don't just be girlfriend character to Bill Murray. 
But then they make her play the most boring instrument on the face of the planet, the cello. <laughs> this reminds me of Jeff the Drunk. Cello! That's his catchphrase. But they're talking outside this fountain, and this whole scene actually had to be ADR'd after they shot it, because they refused to turn off the fountain in that square, <laughs> so none of the audio was usable, so they actually ADR'd this entire scene. I mean, they did a good job of it. Oh yeah, you you don't notice it. The snooty guy that was hanging out with Dana earlier, before she went over to Peter, is like, in the background, like, hmm. <laughs> I, ho- I hope you feel better. <laughs> Need to get some sunlight, pretty pale. (laughs) Peter gets a date for Thursday, so he's all excited. Next, we see the storage system for the first time, and it's this big power box with basically just a bunch of handles and lights on it. And the ecto containment unit. Walter Peck, Brett, you won't get this, but Corey looks very much like Edge, the wrestler, shows up. Oh, I know who Edge is. That's during my time. Okay, I don't know, you always tell me you don't watch it. But when Edge cut his hair after he retired for a little bit, he looked just like Walter Peck. I hated him and Randy Orton. Those two together, fuck them back in the day. <laughs> oh, rated RKO. Loves rated RKO. But he wants to see the storage facility, and no, they're not letting him in, not without a warrant or anything like that. <laughs> and Peter sends him away. Show me the storage facility. And Peter's like, you didn't say the magic word. And Walter Peck's like, what's the magic word? And Peter's like, please. please, Like, just very, like, you don't know what the magic word is, you poor, poor man. <laughs> well, he even plays his game. He goes, may I please see the storage facility? No. Uh, <laughs> and, and why not? <laughs> but... I, I do love the guy who played him came back when they did the video game a long time ago to yeah, um, yeah. Well, um William Atherton. Yeah. That was such a fun video game. Oh, I love it. I still play it once in a while. He was in but, Tim and Eric's billion, do- billion Dollar Movie. Holy shit, yes, I love that was. movie. <laughs> Next, we get to talking about how much ghost activity has been in everything, and we get the Twinkie speech about psychokinetic <laughs> energy increases. Like, if this Twinkie is the normal amount of paranormal, whatever, they talk about it. And then Winston, that's a big Twinkie. And then Peter comes down, and Winston's like, tell him about the Twinkie. He's like, what's up with the Twinkie? <laughs> and Egon just has that look on his face. <laughs> you know, the look he has pretty much throughout the entire movie. It's Yeah. Just, I, I love this movie so much. Which, really quick, now that we're introduced to all of our Ghostbusters, favorite Ghostbuster? I mean, is it cliche to say Peter Venkman? No. Okay, then, yes. Um, As a kid, it was always Egon, so it's it's still Egon, but Ray is uh, Ray's been creeping up real close. But Egon's it, it, for my me, favorite. It I will always Egon. be Egon for me. Egon was my... Vi- the real Ghostbusters Egon action figure was the very first action figure I ever remember owning. And it's one of the few action figures from my childhood I still have. I love nice. his dry delivery and everything. He just wins it for me just for that. Yeah. And they kept him the same in the cartoon, too. Oh, good. I never saw the cartoon. Oh, it's fun. You have to watch real Ghostbusters. What? I was watching Friday the 13th and Halloween when I was little. I was preparing for this podcast since I was six years old. Hey, Brett, what are we covering today? Ghostbusters. 
Exactly. You should have been watching the cartoon for this episode. I watched the actual Ghostbusters with real Bill Murray, and then I would watch the Stripes uh, movie until it got to that shower scene. I'd rewind it and watch it again, rewind it and watch it again until that part has a little bit of a warp to it now. Um, like most of the episodes of Real Ghostbusters are available on YouTube. Just go. Just go. It is fun. Even just the intro to that, I love. Like, with all the ghosts and everything. How, like, the Ghostbusters logo ghost is a thing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Him walking but, down the street. Not not walking. Yes. Strutting down the street. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Zul breaking out of its statue form and everything. And Dana's going back to her apartment. Her door is glowing when she's on the phone with her... After she gets off the phone with her mom. And then the only way I can describe this is the angry armchair. Like, all these... Zool hands pop out of the chair and grab her, and she's thrown into the light door thing. Oh, and you talked about, during Return of the Living Dead, how some of those extras were super, like, grabsy with Linnea Quigley. It seemed like a couple of those arms were a little grabsy with Sigourney Weaver. They're pulling on some shirts. Yeah. You notice that? Yeah. A bit. But... Here's Lewis's party that he was inviting to earlier, and he's just telling everyone everyone's financial business, which I know he works in taxes, but still, he's just saying it to everybody, what everyone owes and everything like this. <laughs> it's so great. He's I, like, but- I got that smoked salmon on sale. Usually it's $25.99. I got it on sale for $15.99. That's why I invited nothing but clients instead of friends to this party, which I'm imagining them sitting there being like, oh, we thought we were friends. <laughs> so this whole thing is a tax write-off. Yeah. Okay, who brought the dog? Yep, exactly. (laughs) And then he's chased outside and runs out, and he's running from the dog, and he's knocking on this restaurant's, like, big, like, glass windows. Help, help! Oh, that's not just anywhere. That is the Tavern on the Green. I've actually heard of that. I have not. It's still, uh, it is a still operating restaurant in uh, Central Park. Oh, okay. I will eat there one day. He turns around and screams, and no one else can see the dog. They just see this madman pounding <laughs> and then fainting. Nice, Poochie. I think I have a milk bone here somewhere. <laughs> what? One, he doesn't have a dog. Why would he have a milk bone on his person? Just in case he ever runs into a dog? You don't just carry around random milk bones in case you run into a dog? Negative. Monster. Bankman arrives for his date with Dana, and we get the first, are you the key master? And he's like, no. And I love she, like, rolls her eyes and slams the door. (laughs) Because I feel like that's something that Dana would have done to Peter Yeah. Yes. But Knox again, are you the key master? Why, yes, I am. Well, he actually sent me, and he's in there. He's my buddy. (laughs) There's a bunch of gozer talk and some exposition about that in here. They're on the bed, and she's about to try to get him to fuck. He's like, well, I think there's at least two people in there already, and it might be a little crowded. I love that line. There's a little crowded in there already. Because he's like, do you want to be inside me? And Because he he's like, I have a rule about not sleeping with possessed girls. And he's like, well, it's a little bit more of a guideline than a rule. No, 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 no. <laughs> it sounds like there's already one too many people in there. I want to say, does this count as character development for Peter? Because I feel like Peter at the beginning of the movie would not have an issue with this. We'll, we'll, we'll give Peter a little bit of character development on that one. Okay. We get the no Dana, only Zool, and the levitation. There is no Dana, only Zool. 
Oh, come on, Zooli baby. Then <laughs> we cut to Lewis, who is now also possessed, searching for the gatekeeper, just walking up to people. I love when he walks up to a horse that's drawing a carriage. Like, Are you the gatekeeper? <laughs> He's like, I'll be back for you later. Where the final reconciliation is upon us, and he trips over like the one homeless woman's um cans, and she's like, "Hey, look, I don't." think this is the right move at all. Take this man to a hospital, but the police get Lewis, and they just drop him off with the Ghostbusters. They're like, no one else wants him. Do you want him? It's like, I don't think that's how that works. And Janine's delivery here. Picking up or dropping off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Egon and Janine are pretty much questioning him. Well, Janine's there while Egon's questioning him and everything, and he goes... Would you like? Would you, goes, would you like some coffee? And he goes. Would I? And Egon's like, yes, yeah. have some. He goes, yes, have some. Yes, have some. Peter calls Egon at this point to tell him about Data and everything. Say he's talking about the key mass, key master, and like, oh, we have someone looking for the gatekeeper or something like that. We should get them together. Which I have is a, a that would be idea. A, many shrubs yeah. and zools know what it was like to be roasted in the depths of the floor that day. I can tell you. <laughs> I love his whole delivery of that and how confident it is. He's like, you have no idea what he's saying, but you would, know it has to be horrible. Would you like me to do the speech? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he will come in one of the pre-chosen forms during the rectif- rectification of the Voldroni. The traveler came as a large moving torb. Then, in the third reconciliation of the last of the McTrax supplicants, they choose a new form for him, that of a giant slur. Many shubs and zools knew what it was be like to be roasted in the depths of the slur that day, I can tell you. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> well done! Bravo! That was awesome. just, the way Rick Moranis' mouth is moving during that whole... Like, I love the, and his delivery of like, many blah 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 know how to be roasted by a giant slur that day, I tell you what. <laughs> it's a tragedy beyond tragedies that Rick Moranis will no longer act. He does sometimes still. But he wasn't back for Afterlife, Brett. Well, That's because did... Afterlife wasn't in New York. A couple That's years true. ago, he got back together with, because um, they did Bob and Doug McKenzie, the other guy. They got together and did a live show for a charity. So maybe they'll come back. Maybe. Well, I mean, the the new movie Firehouse that comes out next year is set in New York again. So hmm. fingers crossed. The other two Ghostbusters at this point, Winston and Ray, are just driving around talking about the end times and revelations <laughs> in the Bible and all this kind of stuff. Um Right as all this shit's going on, Walter Peck with a police escort and a utility worker arrive with a warrant. Oh god, this poor utility worker. It's like he's just on a he's a, like an electrician. And it's like I don't know what any of this is. <laughs> They're basically like, do not shut that off. It could like it's like dropping a nuclear bomb in the middle of the city. He's like, I don't think I should do it. Walter Peck, <laughs> do your job! And he shuts off the electricity, the containment unit. I love that it had a lockout tagout sign. For those who don't know, is if you work around machinery, lockout tagout is what you put on something when it cannot be turned on. And I love that they had that on the machine, so do not turn it off, but he did anyway. That's a strict OSHA violation right there. 
and immediately everything goes bad. The red lights are blinking. There's all kinds of lights coming from the other side of the wall that, that don't look like they're from this dimension. Like, they all run outside. This giant beam of purple light shoots through the roof. And then they arrest the Ghostbusters! They should arrest the... They arrest the guy to, uh that made him turn it off i hope he got in all kinds of trouble it's a sign yeah going out of business (laughs) (laughs) this part used to scare the hell out of me i remember being in my grandma's basement and like i always go down and watch tv and watching ghostbusters and i don't know why i think it's the weird music with this part creeped me out more than anything else and this would always frighten me this part when i was a kid well, also because at this point, Lewis, who is the key master or the gatekeeper? Key he master. is the key master. Okay. Um, of course, the key master of Gozer. He just goes running off into the streets. <laughs> You're not paying attention to him whatsoever. Your friend is possessed. And he might not be your friend, but it's a person who's possessed. Keep track of him because he just goes running off. <laughs> like, where'd the key master go when he's gotten away in the madness? They're like, wah, wah. <laughs> and he basically just kind of skips away. Yeah. I love the ghost cabbie. Yes, he's my favorite. Yeah. But I also like that we see Slimer again, just wrecking a hot dog vendor's cart, eating lots of hot dogs. Oh, yes. Very, I mean, it, uh, relatable. I also sometimes will enjoy five to six hot dogs at a time. Yeah, who doesn't? Sitting around a fire, drinking a few beers, and, you know, you just kind of lose track of the number of hot dogs you eat. Sometimes it looks like Slimer eats and it stays with him. Other times it just falls right through him, because earlier he was chugging wine, and it was just falling through him onto the table. He's been resting for a while in the containment unit. Maybe he has more energy to actually eat. (laughs) The hot dogs give him strength. Yes. It's like Popeye. (laughs) Dana's apartment wall also explodes right here as the Ghostbusters are arrested. And I love them going over blueprints of the building (laughs) while they're in prison. Like, what's this called? Like, lockup. This isn't, like, prison, right? Yes, this is just, um, like, a holding cell. Yeah. And all the other guys who are being held in there are, like, going over the plans with them. They're all looking over their shoulders. It's like, is everyone in on the plan? And they all kind of back off. (laughs) Um... I mean, we did miss a big plot point earlier yeah. when when Egon was telling Ray and Peter about Evo Shandor, the, yes. the architect of Dana's building, who was uh, a leader of a sect of Gozarians, who once again, he does come into play both in the video game yes. and, uh, and Ghostbusters Afterlife. He's actually the main, like, main villain of the video game. I feel like he was one of those threads they never quite took care of in the first two movies and that's why when the video game came out like well shit we have to finally cover this well they don't even mention him they don't even mention him in the second movie yeah but from the first movie on and everything yeah it is cool how they do mention the lore is like the building is a giant like what satellite dish for the supernatural basically yeah yeah they say it's a lightning rod for paranormal activity which is cool they're like no one builds buildings out of this material yeah (laughs) No, they just don't build them like they used to. No, they never <laughs> built them like this. Either. Nobody stacks books like this. <laughs> Lewis finds Dana, and so we, it's not shown, but we know what goes on here. I've been feeling fine, baby. <laughs> I know I've been feeling for 
Ladies and gentlemen, Marvin Godawful. It's one of those uh, <laughs> sexy songs that they play during love scenes in movies. Oh, I got you. I know which one you're talking about now. Yeah. <laughs> you just sang it so badly. <laughs> no, I did it in the Broadway. <laughs> That's how I sing Danzig. <laughs> the Ghostbusters go to meet with the, the mayor. Peck is also there and like the leader of the church, I guess, and a couple other high-ranking officials. Oh, it's, and, I love where they, they get pulled out of the jail cell by the mayor. They're like, sorry, gentlemen, the mayor needs to see us. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, they get in an argument with Peck, and they call him dickless, and the mayor's like, is this true? Talk about what they're saying. And Peter's yes, like, yes, yes, sir. I, this man has no dick. <laughs> <laughs> the the always, movie's amazing. That's always been, like, my favorite zinger in the whole movie. Yes. I mean, everything about this movie is amazing, Brad. Everything. And then the mayor kicks him out, and the go- and Peter is just overjoyed. Yeah, bye. <laughs> Waving to him. Uh, the speech is great when they're talking about biblical, like, biblical, and they're talking about everything. But goes, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the, the way they convince the mayor is like, if we're wrong, we're wrong. Arrest us, we'll go to jail happily. We'll like it. But if we're right, you'll save the lives of millions of registered voters. And that's what gets and them the, on their the, side. The mayor's face there is just like, hmm. Yeah, he like perks up a little bit. Just classic New York slimy politician. And so I love this. It just feels epic. The Ghostbusters and the Ecto-1 getting a police and military escort to the apartment building. It's really cool looking. Getting the hero's welcome they deserve. Everyone's on the streets clapping they're cheering for the Ghostbusters. They're Ghostbusters, chanting for them. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. And hey, can... look at those Ghostbusters over there. Oh! There's just typical New Yorkers. There's rabbis, priests, everything here. They're throwing pieces of pizza in the air. <laughs> um, dude, honestly, I don't think it was until Spider-Man, like, from 2001, that you got such, like, a... Uh, New York cheering for the heroes in a movie moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this, that's kind of why I think solidified this movie's like legacy is like these scenes of them standing and waving to all of New York and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which absolutely. It's, it's such a fun too. It's so fun to watch the, the Ghostbusters one and two back to back. Cause it goes from the, the entire city loves them to like, they're playing birthday parties. Yes. <laughs> he man. He, he man. man. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you gonna call? He man. <laughs> but the crowd's cheering them. They get out, but the sidewalk like has like a Pittsburgh sinkhole opens up and swallows them into it. I, it almost looks like they're gonna die because a cop car goes in, but doesn't crush them. The yeah. crowd goes silent. They crawl back out, cheer again, and they go into the building and find too many stairs. Which this is a fun, that is a fun scene right there of they pull up and it's actually filmed in New York City. And then they cut to basically, of course, a soundstage to make the ground do that. But they had to recreate it so perfectly and it's like seamless. And oh, you can't even tell. Did. No. And, but I do love the stare part of like, oh, fuck. Where are we? We're somewhere in the teens. Well, let me know when we get in the, into the 20s. I'm going to barf. <laughs> Well, the proton packs like that they were wearing in the movie were actually super heavy for real. Like that wasn't just like a oh, thing yeah. they said. They were like eighty pounds a piece. 
Yeah. So they had three different ones depending on what the scene was. Like when they had to have all the lights and the whirring fans and everything, they were the real ones. Then they had like plastic body ones, and then they had like even softer ones for scenes where they're getting thrown around and stuff. Yeah. But they finally make it up to where Dana's apartment was, and then they find the stairs up to like the Gozerian pyramid thing, like portal there, and they go up there and they're standing in front of it. Lewis and Dana, Hellhound, like take take Terror their form dog. and their what is it called again? Terror Terror Gozer dog. dog? Terror dog. Terror I've dog. always called them Hellhounds my whole life. Spooky puppy. Yeah, spooky puppies. Lewis and Dana take the spooky puppy form and we're introduced to Gozer for the first time. And Ray's well, no, it's Peter. He's he's like, okay, so she's a dog. Yes. <laughs> but Gozer appears, asks the question, are you a god? To Ray. Well, it's the great thing of they're like, okay, so one of us needs to go like confront and whatnot. Go get her, Ray. <laughs> yes. Because Ray is so good at these things. Yes. Get her! I'm surprised that wasn't the plan. <laughs> well, then he runs down of like, I'm a representative of New York City and the fine people, and we ask you to depart this dimension back to your own dimension or a dimension that is close for your convenience. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a god? No. Then die! And they all get lightning struck and everything like that. And Winston has like... One of the lines of the lines of the movie of like, Ray, if someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. And he <laughs> does learn his lesson. Yes, he does. They all okay, boys, light her up. They all fire the proton packs at Gozer, but she does this sick flip over him and then disappears. Choose the form of the destructor. What does that mean? <laughs> like. Ah, whatever we think of is going to attack us. Nobody think of everything. Empty your minds. So if we think of Ed McMahon, Ed McMahon is going to come here and destroy us. The form has been chosen. No, no, no. None of us chose. Did you choose? No. Did you choose? Of course not. I didn't choose. Ray. Ray. <laughs> I couldn't help it. It just popped in my mind. What popped in your mind, Ray? Something innocent from my childhood. Something that could never hurt us. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Dude, how genius is this, though? It's not like he was terrified of some, like, fire-breathing dragon or some monster or anything. Oh, it could have been horrible. <laughs> yeah, the Destructor is a giant Michelin Man, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, coming in to kill them, a big food mascot. <laughs> it's just hilarious, and the reveal of it is awesome when he's walking around amazing. with those kaiju stomps and everything. Yes. The screams are like, but it still has the smile. Yes, I'm sad we never. I'm sad we never got Godzilla versus Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I'm sure there's a fan film. If this was me, it's like the first thing that's going to pop into my mind is like Ed Wood or Bella Lugosi. So it's a giant man in a cashmere sweater going down like, I'm going to make a horrible movie. Strings. <laughs> <laughs> Pull the string. <laughs> but, um, all right, roast him. They zap him with the proton packs, but now he's just on fire, which doesn't help things. And they're like, "We got to do something." Egon says to cross the streams, reverse the particles. We can die. What does he say? There's a slight chance we could survive, or something like this. Yeah. 
and Ray, uh, Peter's, um, he's like, okay, come on, guys, let's go do this. Like, he's just like, oh, fuck, well, I gotta be, like, the spokesman for the group, so come on, guys, I'm the cheerleader. Let's go. <laughs> and they all fire at the Gozer portal, and they cross the streams. It explodes right as fiery stay puffed. I want to stay on this for a second. It's like closing in on them. And that's a real guy in a marshmallow costume on fire. That's badass. Pra- practical effects. Wonderful. They all fire at the huh. portal, cross the streams. It explodes. Stay puffed. And stay puffed melts. And marshmallows cover everything, including Peck, with a giant yes. blop onto him. Who gets it and- the worst? Love yes. it. The obvious thing, what do you guys think they used for all of this? I would say marshmallow fluff. Yeah. Shaving cream. Much easier oh, to Oh, okay. You know, see, sometimes you have to eat shaving cream every once in a while. Exactly. This is that scenario. But they couldn't just get regular shaving cream because they needed so much. They had to get whatever shaving cream. And a lot of it ended up being menthol shaving cream. But the thing is, when you are having pounds of pounds of menthol shaving cream dumped on you and you just leave it there... A lot of the actors had like skin burns and irritation yeah. after from this scene. They're gonna feel minty fresh. Yes. Minty ouch. But the plan worked and all of a sudden Peter's pretty sad when they're talking about it. Does anyone smell smell burnt dog hair? Oh oh I'm sorry, Peter. <laughs> but then Dana breaks out of the statue, she's still alive. And Lewis is also still alive, but I love how he breaks out of everything but the head. He's walking yeah, around like, turned off the lights! <laughs> I'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Okay. okay. <laughs> Winston throws his arms out with the triumphant, I love this town. And yes. they come down as the theme song plays and the crowd's cheering as they leave. Roll credits on a perfect movie. Alright, and that's Ghostbusters. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Look, this is Throbtober, obviously. This is like the ha- our Halloween season. Yeah. I know we're a horror podcast, and this definitely falls into the, yeah, I guess horror. But I don't think there's been a year that I haven't watched Ghostbusters, at least in October. This is like a tradition. I have a big inflatable Slimer in my yard as we speak, so it's perfect. We had to cover it this month. Believe it or not, I have no Ghostbusters Halloween decorations. Step your game up, Corey. Come on. What are we paying you for? My Halloween decorations are on a theme, and that theme is skeletons. Uh, that's fair. But, but I have, like, an entire room in my house. We call it my horror room. It's the room I usually record the podcast in, but it's, like, 10% other horror stuff, 90% Ghostbusters. <laughs> nice. What is your favorite item in your collection? My firehouse. 100%. My, it's, it's my firehouse. Fair. Now, now that I have it, you know, that now that, you know, I had to provide the love that my parents denied me as a child. <laughs> oh, please go ahead. Before we close this up, let this be known. <laughs> my parents never bought me the Ghostbusters firehouse when I was a child. All they ever did for me was provide food, clothing, <laughs> shelter, have parties for my stupid friends all the time, oh. you know, make sure I had every, absolutely everything I needed. And I will even say this on record, at one point I could have had it, but I was an impatient child and the store didn't have any, so I got some stupid walking Triceratops toy. Those it's my say. fault. My parents loved me. 
But you've continued to antagonize this poor couple who raised you for years about not loving you enough to get you this. <laughs> to this day. Like, yes. To this day. Like, I will every once in a while still randomly text my mom pictures of my firehouse and say, I love, <laughs> I love me more than you love me. And she will respond with, yes, yes, you do. <laughs> love you, mommy. All right. You guys ready to get the end of episode stuff? Let's get into the count of the dead. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. All right, the Throgman Horror Count of the Dead is where we tally up all the deaths in the movie. Where do you two think we got with Ghostbusters? I like your odds. Zero. Nobody died. What? That wasn't already that nobody died that wasn't already uh, dead. Let me think. Oh no. I'm gonna go zero. Well, you are both correct. A double Yay! get on count of the dead. Well done. But that's Greg's Count of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. And now we're getting into my ratings from Dimension Z. Um, so basically, I'll take something from the movie and I'll rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. I come up with that thing right now. Okay, I'm going to go with Next Door Neighbors. All right. Because uh, Lewis I'm and confused. Dana, Lewis and Dana oh, okay. are next door neighbors, and Lewis he's a little he's a little annoying and whatnot, but he's not the worst. So I'm going to go with next door neighbors. Okay, All right. a number one version of a next door neighbor, the worst version of a next door neighbor is Jeffrey Dahmer. The fair, okay. yes, uh, that fair poor enough. lady who ate that human meat sandwich that Jeffrey Dahmer gave her and had to smell all of that for all of that time. Okay. Um, a number 10 version of a next door neighbor, the best version of a next door neighbor. Um, I'm going to say it's like Bella Lugosi's still alive and he's my next door neighbor. I just got to go and hang out with him and watch vampire shows. Okay. Um, I'm go. I mean, Ghostbusters is a 10, of course. It's a great movie. I've watched it since I was very, very young. I don't remember a time when I wasn't watching this movie. It was on all the time on, TV back before streaming and you had to actually like flip the channels you'd find Ghostbusters and be like oh fuck yeah I'm staying here for right now okay Corey I mean I, it's a 10 I already said it. it's, it's it's a 10 I was born the year before this movie came out like Brett I literally do not remember a time when Ghostbusters wasn't my favorite thing it, it's a 10 it's, it's a 30 40 50 100 <laughs> All right, we're going to cross these streams. I also went 10 Neighbors out of 10 because it is legitimately a perfect movie. I think Ghostbusters is one of the best movies of all time. I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. People yeah. are going to give me shit on that, but I legitimately do. Like, If you're ranking the greatest films ever made, Ghostbusters is up there. Like, I don't think it's the best. I don't know what the best would be, but it's definitely pretty high up there. It's extremely well written. At certain ages, there are scenes that are very scary. It still yeah. holds up. The older you get, you understand more jokes. Yeah. yeah. It's perfect for any time in your life, and you watch it differently each time. Like, look, there are a bunch of academics who are kicked out and then went in to become basically manual labor guys, like with jumpsuits and everything. Yeah. I am a college dropout who works in manual labor now. It is very relatable to me. Like, there's different things in every part of my life that I love about this movie. I, I love this movie as much now that I'm almost 40 as I did when I was four. I've been Winston many times with jobs where I'm like, I don't give a shit as long as you're paying me. 
<laughs> exactly. I am, Win- I am Winston at my current job. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. That's all I think I got on Ghostbusters. This is a fun one. I'm so glad we got to this. Bre- yes. Back in like April, I knew we were doing Ghostbusters in October. I'm finally glad we got here. And we also knew, yeah, Corey's coming on for that one. Oh, I he do. would hate us if we would like re- did this without him. <laughs> Just like I always say, I'm bigger than you. <laughs> right, Corey, yeah. thank you for coming on. All you thank listeners, you. please pick up one of the All Hail Intern Corey Throbbing with Horror shirts. Yes, please. Pick up all four. Also buy them in hoodie form and sticker form. And posters. I want first person to send me that they have a Throbbing with Horror poster with I'll send you something else throbbing with horror. Tattoo! Please do. Tattoo it on your body, on your forehead. What are you doing with that forehead? Nothing. Advertise throbbing! (laughs) Well, yeah, that's all. We will see you tomorrow with another episode for Throbtober, I believe. Yes, and we hope that Ghostbusters has left your brain throbbing with horror. Ah, it seems you've survived another fright. Be sure to look for the Throbbing with Horror Pumpkin on all of your favorite social medias and local newspaper headlines. Rate us five stars on your favorite podcast platform, or else. Subscribe for more tantalizing terror, and be ready for the new fear next week, if you dare.